song message. Amen? Well, let's take our Bibles this morning. Turn over to the book of Luke, chapter 8. Luke, chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse 26. Read verse through, uh, for, through verse 39. That's good there. <clears throat> Get all that out of my system early on. Luke, chapter 8, verse 26 is where we'll begin. Luke chapter 8, verse 26, and then we're going to read through verse 39. We simply read, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. When he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. 
for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? He said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. They besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. There was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. They besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. He suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. The herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done. They fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was done came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. He also, which saw it, told them by what means he that possessed the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man of whom the devils were departed, besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. He went his way, and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. <clears throat> Earlier in the Word of God, Jesus Christ makes it safely across the Sea of Galilee. In that particular situation, He shows His deity by simply speaking a few simple words, peace be still. He brings a calm to nature with just His words, once again proving His deity. Again, He now comes ashore and he's going to be confronted with yet another problem. This time, he's going to again show his deity. Show his deity by demonstrating his power over demonic activity, over Satan and his demons. He comes across two men that are demon-possessed. At least in other portions of the scriptures, we know there were two. However, one of them stands out, obviously, and is the only one mentioned here for us today in Luke. The actions of this man are so extreme, so over the top, so unbelievable, that he is referred to, called, a maniac. As a matter of fact, his actions being so extreme, extreme like cutting himself, living in a graveyard. I mean, he was able to break chains and fetters. He had great power. He was also tormented by a legion of devils, the Bible says. Now, a legion is a military term in Roman times. And a legion is basically 6,000. The Bible is telling us here that basically the man was controlled, influenced, possessed by a legion of demons. Is that an amazing thought? This man is not controlled by God. He is controlled by the underworld. His captors revel in pain and suffering. Thus, he is compelled to cut himself. 
They are preoccupied with death, therefore he lives in a graveyard. They delight in power that produces fear, therefore none could tame him. We have a man whose life was controlled by forces other than the God that created him. And it is a sad state of affairs that we find him in here this morning. He was helpless, he was hopeless, until he came face to face with the Master. And the Master's power exceeded all the power of that legion of demons. His love and his life was greater than the death that surrounded and saturated the soul of this man. The maniac would ultimately be loosed, as we read and as we noted. He'd be free from the enslavement and the bondage of this demonic power that embraced his heart and soul. And after that brief encounter, we are going to note a tremendous, an amazing transformation that takes place in his life. All because of Jesus Christ. All because of a supernatural being. God in flesh. What excitement. Can you imagine the elation, the expectation that must have filled this man's heart now? After years of being bound by Satan, after years of being enslaved and tormented by demons, now here he sits at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. There's little doubt in my mind that he was eternally grateful and thankful for his encounter with Christ. I'm sure that he was grateful and thankful for the deliverance that he received and for the new lease on life that he now had. And as we enter into the Thanksgiving season, as we make our way to Thanksgiving on even this Thursday, I believe that it's important that we too are thankful to the God who delivered us. And this morning, I want to note gratitude's response. Gratitude's response. Again, I have no doubt that this maniac was grateful. And I believe we can learn how gratitude should respond to the one who frees and looses it. And in our lives, if you've been saved, born again, you too have been loosed, freed from the enslavement, the bondage of Satan, sin, and eternity without Christ. So let's consider that thought this morning. Three simple thoughts I'll share. Note, we're going to note gratitude's response. So let's do that today. Father, we come to you. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful example of a man whose life was totally wrecked and ruined. A life that most people would say he was too far gone to be helped. And yet, the supernatural touch of the Master reclaimed him. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for that supernatural touch that I experienced in my life. And Lord, that supernatural touch that many in this room have experienced. And Lord, even as the maniac responded the way he did in gratitude, so we ought to. Help us to learn and to glean and grow from this. May you be glorified in this place now, we pray. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. We'll give you the glory. Now fill me with your spirit be glorified in everything that's said and done today. We'll thank you, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, 
As we look at the maniac and we consider this wonderful, miraculous, marvelous transformation, again, I believe he was extremely grateful. And we note that his gratitude compelled him to do a few things. Number one, it compelled him to worship. It compelled him to worship. In verse 35 of our passage, the Bible says, Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus, and found the man, out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I've got to believe that, of course, they came out to see the man who had cast out the demon. But there was such a major transformation that took place, they couldn't help but notice and be drawn to the man at his feet. None other than the maniac himself. This maniac, of course, is no longer naked. Instead, he is clothed. Instead of wandering aimlessly, he's now sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. Instead of being in the tombs, the realm of the dead, this particular maniac is now sitting among the living. Jesus Christ and his very disciples right there with them all. Instead of shrieking and screaming and crying out, the man is quiet. Instead of being very threatening and instead of being very dangerous, he is now very peaceful, at ease. Instead of being tormented, he is comforted. Instead of insanity, he is sane. Instead of chaos and confusion, there is a a tranquility that abounds in his heart and in his soul. There is a noticeable change in his life. We read about a band of women who made their way to a tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when they made their way there, they were confronted by angels. As a matter of fact, the angels speak out and they say, it says, As they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, for he is risen. They sought the living among the dead. They said, hey, listen, the Lord, the Lord is no longer, he's not dead. He's among the living. You're looking in the wrong place. May I say the maniac represents a man or a woman that is outside of Christ, that is without Christ. And that that man, that woman that is without Jesus Christ is dead in their trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Just like the maniac who roamed in the tombs, who acquainted himself with death on an ongoing basis, so a man or a woman that is lost is none other than dead and separated from Christ and without God in this world, the Bible tells us. But there came a day when Jesus Christ himself met this maniac, and the maniac was supernaturally, unmistakably transformed and changed. He was no longer at home in the tombs, but instead was among the living. And as I said, more importantly, among Jesus Christ to himself is the way, the truth, and the life. He was now comfortable and he was content in the Lord's presence. Before that, he wasn't comfortable. Before that, he was like, what do you have to do with me? Leave me alone. I want nothing to do with you, Jesus. But now being changed, now being regenerated, now being transformed. His heart and his desire and his longing is to be in the presence of Christ. Not only is he, con- is he in the presence, but he is content in that presence. He has a desire to be in his presence. 
Let's face it, his eyes had been opened to the light, and darkness no longer appealed to him. And first in John chapter 1, turn there if you would please. We read about a man by the name of John, John the Baptist. And we read about the Lord that came. John chapter 1, verse 6. We read there, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Verse 7, John chapter 1. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John is not the light. He is sent to bear witness of the light. Now we know according to John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus is the light. And the fact is today is that the natural man, the unsaved, the lost person finds the light of the gospel and the presence of Christ to be repulsive. Someone says, no, I know people that are lost that go to church. They find Christ and his gospel repulsive. You can be religious and be as lost as you can be. There is difference between being saved and being spiritual. You can be spiritual and not be saved. You can be involved in spiritual things and not be saved. Every man, every boy and every girl and every woman has a spirit. But if they are lost without Christ, it is dead unto God. It is alive to the underworld, as we see here in the maniac's life. But it is not alive unto God. We are all the creation of God. We are not all the children of God. We are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The maniac of Gadara was very spiritual in that he was motivated and moved by spiritual forces. But he was not saved. He was as lost as lost could be. He was as desperate as desperate could be. He was as helpless and as hopeless as anyone ever has been. Then he met the master. He met the light of the world. Before he dwelt in darkness. Now he will expose himself to the light, Jesus Christ. Before he wanted nothing to do with the light of the gospel, with the light of the creator, with the light who is Jesus Christ. But now he wants everything to do with him. Now he sits at his feet. He tries to draw as close as he can. Why? Because he's been transformed. He's been changed. In John chapter 3 verse 19, the Bible says, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. The maniac wanted nothing to do with Jesus because Jesus is light. The world wants nothing to do with the gospel, with the word of God. I mean, I'm talking about the word of God, Jesus Christ. Because it is all light. And light, as we see here in the passage, exposes, our, exposes us for who we really are. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The maniac of Gadara 
He was compelled to worship because of the transformation that took place, because of the encounter that he had with Christ. He was so grateful, so thankful for what the Lord Jesus Christ had done in his life by changing his course and direction, by giving him hope and help, that before he even knew, he was already at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And you see his transformed and changed person. The balanced believer has a desire to be in God's presence. He enjoys the house of God, the word of God, and prayer. These are not burdens to bear. These are blessings to enjoy. The maniac of Gadara was compelled to worship out of gratitude for what Christ had done. Number two, not only that, but gratitude compelled him to witness. It compelled him to witness, not just worship the Lord, but to witness. In Luke chapter 8 again, verse 38. The Bible says, and behold, let me, let me find it. It says, now, that the man, now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return to thine own house and shew how great things God had done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Is it warm in here today? Can somebody turn something on here? Help me out, would you please? I, I'm sitting up here thinking that I'm having a hot flash. <coughs> I'm glad you are too. I mean, I'm glad we're all warm, should I say. But <clears throat> nonetheless, if we can just get a little air circulating, even the fans, just even the fans will help. That'd be great. Thank you. Whew, that's better already. I didn't want to have to start taking off my jacket and stuff because I would, well, I don't want you to have to see what's underneath there. So anyway, <clears throat> gratitude compelled him not only to worship but to witness. And again, Luke chapter 8, 38, we read, Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and shew how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. I want you to note his request, the maniac's request. I mean, the Bible says he besought him that he might be with him. <clears throat> so the Lord Jesus Christ comes along and he is filled with demons and he is controlled by the underworld. And all of a sudden, as a result of a supernatural touch of the master, he's forgiven and transformed. I mean, an incredible miracle takes place. So naturally, this man says, hey, listen, I want to go with you. I want to be with you. I, I, you're my Lord. You're my master. You're my savior. I mean, you're my deliverer. Can I join this band of followers? Can I be one of your disciples? Can I follow you and be with you? I think that's pretty natural for all of us to come to Christ, to have a great desire to be in his presence, to want to follow him, to be as a disciple to want to yield our life wholeheartedly.
He wanted to be a disciple. He wanted to follow the master and the savior. But I want you to know Christ's response. We see his request, but know Christ's response. But Jesus sent him away. Isn't that something? Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and shew how great things God hath done unto thee. Jesus Christ sends him away. I mean, here's a man that wants to follow him. Here's a man that wants to travel with him. He says, no, 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 I send you away. You know, obviously there was no other witness in that town. There was no other witness in that area. Obviously there was no one there carrying the gospel, sharing Christ with others. Obviously he was the lone witness. Not the lone ranger, the lone witness. And the maniac would now serve as a testimony of God's grace and goodness. He'd become the point man in God's battle to evangelize the Gadarenes. I want you to notice the maniac's reaction to Jesus' response. Can you imagine again, you've just been saved, you've just relied on the Lord Jesus, He's just touched you in a supernatural way, you're now a new creature in Christ, you're excited, you're fired up, you want to follow Him. Lord, I'm willing to give you my life, I want to follow you forever, I want to be with you every moment of every day. And Jesus says, no. No, um, return to your family. Go back home. How did the maniac respond? I mean, what was his reaction to that? I mean, he could have, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he could have been upset about that. He could have gotten all bent out of shape. What are you talking about? You're supposed to be, God, you came here and you found me. You sought me out. Now I'm willing to follow you. What's your problem? Why won't you let me come? What, am I not good enough to come? Don't I measure up in your eyes now? I'm good enough to save, but I'm not good enough to serve. What's the problem here? I mean, he could have been upset, I guess. But how does he respond? It's a wonderful way he responds. Notice his mindset. The Bible just simply says he went his way. He went his way. He didn't get all bent out of shape. He didn't lose his cool. He didn't think Jesus was being unfair or unfit or anything else. He just thought, well, okay, you're the master. You saved me. I'll obey you. I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me. That's fine. If you want me to go home, if you don't want me to travel with you, that's okay. You're the Savior. You're the Lord. I love his mindset. We see his mission. The Bible says, and he published throughout the whole city. He published throughout the whole city. Can you imagine that? The Lord tells him to go to his home and share the truth. Let everybody know what I've done for you and how great things I've done for you. And, and he doesn't just stop there. He goes to the whole city. He reaches the whole community. He goes everywhere, reaching them with the gospel, telling everybody what God has done on his behalf. Because, see, that's his message, isn't it? Notice his message. How great things Jesus had done unto him. I mean, here he is, this mission. I'm going to tell everybody. And his message is simply this. Here's what Jesus did for me. Here's what Jesus did for me. That's his message. This, miss, this maniac became a missionary. Isn't that amazing? He became a missionary. He was glorious, gloriously saved, and now he's sharing his experience with everyone that he meets, anyone that comes into his pathway. He sought, I mean, he wanted to travel with the Lord. He wanted to sit at the master's feet continually. He wanted to glean from God as much as he possibly could. But you want to know something? It's not enough to sit at the feet of Jesus. We can't constantly be reading our Bible and praying. We can't constantly be sitting, gleaning, and growing in the presence of Christ. We have to take what we get while we're in His presence and go into a world and reach them with the gospel. 
someone says, I, I believe in a deeper life Christianity. I believe that more important than going out into the world and witnessing and telling us about Christ is just being in the presence of the Lord and learning the word of God and sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I believe there's so many deeper truths we've got to grasp and get a hold of in order to truly please God and honor him. Let me tell you, you do need to grow in Christ and you need to glean as much as you can. You need to study the Word of God and memorize it and meditate on it. But let me tell you, if you don't take it to a world that's lost and dying and without Christ, you are doing a disservice not only to the God who created you and left you here, but also to everyone around you who is lost without Him. The maniac became a missionary. Someone says, yeah, but he was just a baby Christian. How could Jesus just leave him on his own? How could he just depart and throw him to the wolves like that? He has so much, been so influenced by Satan and so influenced by society and he's so bound by sin. He is. He's free from sin. But he has no experience. He's never been to Bible college. He's never taken any courses and how to lead people to Christ. Hey, Bible college is wonderful and learning more of the word of God is always good and, and taking classes on how to lead people to Christ. I wouldn't miss it for the world. But let me tell you something. Those things are beneficial. They are definitely helpful and they are needful at times, times in our life. And they take us and enable us to go to other levels for Christ. But let me tell you, the maniac did not need a, a deeper course. He didn't need a Bible college course. He didn't even need a soul winning class. What he needed was a testimony, a witness. And may I say, he witnessed more than anyone could ever imagine. He witnessed the touch of the master in his life. He noticed the transformation that took place in his life. He already had a testimony. He didn't need to go to school to get it. And neither do you and I. Neither do you and I today. But doesn't he need to go to church a while and kind of get acclimated for a few years and understand what it's all about. Maybe before he goes out and tries to tell his family how to be saved, before he lets the world know that there's a Jesus that died for him and rose again, before he tells him how he touched him and changed his life and transformed him forever, don't you think he just should sit and soak at church a while? No. No, I don't. No, that's not what Jesus did. I mean, those are all wonderful things. It's absolutely necessary to be in a church, to have a church home, a church family, to have a pastor. You cannot be perfected. You cannot mature like God intends you to without the church. Someone that tells you you don't need the house of God doesn't know the Bible and doesn't know what God intended for you. The Bible simply says in Ephesians that he give pastors and prophets and teachers and evangelists, why? For the perfecting of the saints. He gave those wonderful gifts to the church, but you don't get those at home. Oh, I can watch a TV show. It's not the same. I can listen to the radio. It doesn't help. It's not the same. You've got to have your church. You've got to be part of your assembly. You have to be part of this body or another body that's faithfully serving and reaching out with the gospel. I wouldn't go to a church that isn't sharing the gospel faithfully and consistently. I wouldn't go to a church that doesn't preach on sin and against sin and the need to be saved and the need to repent and the need to live right for God. I don't want a church like that. I want a church that teaches me and tells me, hey, listen, you're not perfect. And you know what? You're not always right, but you serve a God that is and he can transform and change your life and he can enable you to walk straight for him. And I want a church that tells me the truth. The Word of God. 
And that's exactly what the maniac confronted that day. Truth. Light. Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, no, you can't go with me. No, as much as you are sitting at my feet, as much as you long to be in my, my proximity, as, 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 as much as you desire to simply bask in my presence, you've got to go. You've got a testimony to share. You've got an experience that can help people. You've got a witness. And therefore you can witness. See, if you witness a car accident today, the police officer takes your statement. Your testimony includes what you saw and you heard. You're not expected to share anything but your story. The moment you were saved, you became a witness to the grace and mercy of God firsthand. You say, but I didn't, I wasn't a maniac. I'll talk to your husband about that, man. But anyway, I wasn't a maniac. All right, teenager. <laughs> and we're not, even going, we're not even going there with the guys, okay? But anyway, the fact is, is that we were all lost without Christ. We were all bound by Satan and sin. We were all in the same boat. Somebody says, but I wasn't as bad as... You got a bad attitude already. And you don't understand. It's not about how much sin. It's about the fact... Not just what we do, but who we are that's the problem. We are sinners at the very root. Every one of us, it took as much grace to save the maniac as it took to save that five-year-old boy or girl that understood the need for Jesus in their life and said, I know, I know I'm lost and I need Christ to save me. The maniac and all of us who are saved have a story to tell. It's a powerful one indeed, isn't it? We need only share what we've experienced. How great things Jesus hath done for us. Gratitude. Gratitude compelled the maniac to worship the Lord. Gratitude compelled him to witness. And finally, very quickly, gratitude compelled him to work. You can only imagine how much time and effort it took to reach the city with the truth. Now, I understand. His was an extreme case. I'm sure talk got around, but this man, I do not believe, simply let others tell his story. He told his story. He witnessed a change in his life. He shared that change. He shared his encounter with Christ. How much time, how much effort, would that have taken? Either way, gratitude compelled him to work for the Lord and to fulfill his calling in his life. Every one of us have a purpose. Every one of us have a reason for existing after we're saved. Every one of us are to be in our place. Every one of us have a role to play in evangelizing and reaching the world with the gospel. Gratitude compelled the maniac to work on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, gratitude's a powerful thing in our life. It's so important that we are grateful and thankful. The proportion by which we are grateful to God will determine the proportion by which we are compelled to worship. 
that we are compelled to witness, that we are compelled to work on his behalf. Someone says, no, I'm very grateful. I just don't have time to worship, time to witness, time to work on behalf of the Lord. The maniac of Gadara firsthand teaches us firsthand that life was changed, transformed by Jesus Christ. The fact that you are here this morning says something about your gratitude toward the Lord and what He did for you. The fact that you sit through this service, you came to Sunday school, you allowed the Lord to speak to you today, says it meant enough to be here this morning. Our gratitude is so valuable and so important and it compels us How grateful are you this morning? Do you vividly remember your encounter with the Master? I mean, how vivid is that moment in time when you called upon the Lord and felt the burden of sin roll off your back? How vivid is that? How real is that to you today? Do you recall the miraculous change that took place in your outlook and in your life? Does the cross still stand large in your life? Is it big? Does it compel you to worship the Lord who saved you? Does it compel you to witness of the magnificent change He wrought in your life? Does it compel you to work on His behalf? Today, if you don't know Christ, you need to settle that. But if you know Christ is your Savior, and you know without a doubt heaven's your home, As we enter into this week of thanksgiving, may we remember what Christ did for us on Calvary. May we never make it little in our life. May we allow it to loom big. May we be compelled to worship Him out of gratitude. Compelled to witness out of gratitude. And compelled to work on His behalf. I'm going to ask that group to come up. I want them to sing that song. And I want you to listen to the words again now of that song as they sing it. I think it drives home this simple truth as we think about what Christ did. And then we'll come back and close this service. Won't you come, please?
How grateful are you for that cross and the work that Jesus Christ did on Calvary? Oh, that gratitude will compel us to worship, to witness, and to work on his behalf. Father, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity.